Hey, Fairborn City Manager Rob here. I'm with Megan Howard. Hi, Megan. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm doing okay. Good. This is episode, I think, 31, 31. of the Rumor Has a Podcast. So we've done 30 of these prior to this one. Yeah. Uh, and we're really excited today to, to interview our guest. We have Tom Kirsch. So I, I looked last week at our statistics. Yep. And we have, I think, if I remember correctly, now my brain's a little fuzzy these days. Right. Yeah, rightfully so. Over six... 6,000 downloads total over the 30 episodes. Really? 6,000. That's terrific. I feel like that's a good number. Yeah, that's a really good number. As we're starting to build this thing, I know we get some grief yeah, from from some folks, people. But yeah, 6,000 like downloads six, is good. Over 6,000 is a pretty good number. Yeah. So. I mean, I'm not good at math, but I feel like that's a good number. Uh, neither am I. And yeah, so that feels good. It feels good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to those folks who have downloaded this podcast. But we're real excited today to have Tom Kirsch with us. How are you, Tom? I am well, thank you. Good. Tom, if you don't know Tom, one, you're not from Fairborn. <laughs> uh, and you certainly didn't go to the Fairborn school system uh, within the last uh, 30 years or so. Uh, Tom is a longtime school teacher. Uh, he's here today in his capacity as the chamber director for the Fairborn Chamber of Commerce. But we're going to talk about it all. Tom, I want to, you have a, an excellent story to tell. Um, You've got a, in some instances, a very sad story to tell, uh, but you tell it very well, and I, I think it really would help folks to know it and to hear it. So let's start. You gave a presentation to our city council at a work session and kind of went through the history of your life mm-hmm. with, with relative to Fairborn. So if you don't mind, can we start there? Absolutely. Uh, I was born in Xenia, Ohio, the only hospital in Greene County at the time. My mom and dad lived in Lovington Arms Apartments over on South Street. And uh, soon after I was uh, birthed, uh, they had built a home in Mittman Park. And that's where I grew up, over on Adams Street. Uh, I attended Mary Help of Christian's Schools and Carroll High School. And yet I grew up in Fairborn, playing Little League, playing with all the kids in the neighborhood getting my first job from Norm Foy at Foy's <laughs> 5 and 10 back in the early 70s, working for $1 an hour, <laughs> and uh, all the benefits that came with being at Foy's. Right. Um, however, growing up in Fairborn, yet attending the parochial school, I had the best of both worlds, because not only did I have the friendships here that I developed in Fairborn, but I also had those that I developed with kids from Xenia, Beaver Creek, East Dayton, and Riverside, who also attended Carroll with me. And um, in the summer of 75, um, I met my future wife, uh, Wendy Williams, and we uh, dated here in Fairborn for a couple of years, and then we took off to Arizona sight unseen. Uh, I had been West prior. I always loved the West. Um, Having been out there and seen it, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. And so what I did was um, research the 11 Western states for a school that had the biology, geology, the sciences that I was interested in at an affordable price. After serving the 11 Western states, uh, I settled on two schools, Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff, Arizona, and BYU in Provo, Utah. Uh, I decided to attend Northern Arizona University. I'd never been to Arizona. Uh, my wife, who was attending Miami of Ohio, at the, or excuse me, at the time my girlfriend, at, attending Miami of Ohio, where her mom and dad had graduated from, her father having 
played football at Miami of Ohio, having been recruited by Woody Hayes and then playing on the same line as Bo Schembechler and having John Pont as their quarterback who went on to infamy at Indiana University. Uh, they were all about their oldest child attending Miami of Ohio. Right. <laughs> and then along comes Tom Kirsch. Right. <laughs> and he wants to go out west. And uh, Wendy's bound to determined. I, I told her, I said, I'm going out west in January 77. And I'm um, getting my two years done at Wright State. I'm going to work and uh, save my money and head out. She said, well, I'm going with you. And so she asked her mom and dad. And, of course, she was the apple of their eye and uh they said yes wow and uh it was pretty awesome i think wendy and i both grew individually and together being in a place we had never been in our life on our own at such a young age um it was a great experience uh we went to school uh year round out there the summers were awesome in the mountains flagstaffs at seven thousand foot elevation it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. environment uh, it's it's in the midst. Here's a biology fact of the world's largest ponderosa pine forest in the world. Wow! And just to throw out something, so people start talking about me, maybe I'm nuts or whatever. But um, a ponderosa pine tree has flavor to it, huh. and you can walk up to the bark, put your nose to the bark, and take a sniff, and you're going to smell. Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or butterscotch. Go ahead and Google it. Trust really? me. Absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. By far, it seemed butterscotch was the most common flavor we ever smelled. But we had hints of the other ones as well. But it's, it's a fascinating environment out there. And it turned out to be a great thing since my career ended up being biology-oriented. Um, I, I was certified to teach any science subject. Thankfully, I never had to teach the chemistry, (laughs) but uh, I enjoyed the physics. I enjoyed the earth sciences. I enjoyed uh, the biology by far the best. And it was there between Phoenix and Flagstaff, a three-hour span, where Merriam did his life zone study. You can find every life zone on earth in a three-hour place. Wow. And not only that, where we were at, you could go snow skiing and water skiing in the same day. Wow. You know, everything's that close. So it was pretty awesome. It was a great experience. We ended up going down to the valley. We lived on the west side. Uh, We we settled first in the town where Wendy taught, which was Buckeye, Arizona. Originally, its name was Sydney, Ohio. (laughs) And Sydney, I'm sorry, Sydney, Arizona. But it was settled by settlers from Sydney, Ohio. So that's how it got its name. And then over the years, they changed it to Buckeye, keeping the Ohio connection. And every year when you see the Buckeyes play out in Arizona, they always do a story on Buckeye, Arizona because of that history. Um, So we taught school out there for nine years. I got my master's at Arizona State. Uh, We had our two children, Matthew and Katie, and uh, after 12 years, our vacation was over. We decided to come home and uh, got picked up at Wright State for a year and then started teaching at Fairborn High School in 89, retiring in 21. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's an outstanding 
like timeline. What a what a beautiful thing. Like I have been a blessed man. Yeah. In every respect. Absolutely. Every respect. I've got so many flowers in the bouquet that of my life that are important to me. Yeah. What made you decide you wanted to go into science? I love science primarily because I was very curious about it. It was my hardest class in high school. But I just was fascinated by it. And I think my exposure to scouting mm -hmm. as a kid growing up and Explorer Post with Ray Wylam as my advisor um, gave me that continued interest. And it was something I knew I could do my entire life, be fascinated and curious about it. So I felt like I needed to know more like those facts I was revealing to you yeah, prior right. to the podcast. I just... I might be a trivia kind of person, but that kind of trivia to me is fascinating because it explains the world around us. Yeah. yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And I tried to share that as a teacher. And if somebody wants to win a bet in the establishment, <laughs> right. talk about a ponderosa pine yeah, and what they smell go. like. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's, it, please Google it. You know, it's, I, I wish, uh, the internet provided smells for us, but I'm telling you <laughs> that it's fascinating. Whenever you come across one, go out west, see it. Do not hesitate. Yeah. You might you might get some people looking at you, but if you yeah. explain what you just did, I bet you they go there too. <laughs> That's terrific. I know they always look at me weird anyway, so why not just add, add yeah. to the mystery? Right. So. <laughs> Absolutely, keep them guessing. <laughs> So you've uh, you taught how many years at the city of uh, Fairborn City Schools in, in high school? Fairborn City Schools? It was forty-two. One year yes. at Wright State. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Fairborn City Schools. Did I say thirty-two. You said forty-two, but uh, no, thirty-two 32. at Fairborn City Schools. One year at Wright State and nine out at Tolleson Union High School in Tolleson, wow. so Arizona. So total of forty-two altogether. Then forty-two total Man. consecutive. In fact, when I retired, I turned sixty-five meaning I was in school from kindergarten 60 straight years. Wow. You taught as many years as I've been alive. <laughs> we can do without that. <laughs> we can do without it's that. fine. We, we, we will all be in my position one day. Right. right. Um, so in your 32 years in Fairborn schools, mm -hmm. um, how was it different? How were you different from year one to year 32? What, or what was consistent, I guess, also between between that time? Because you hear that all the time. Kids these days just aren't no, what they were. Absolutely not. I believe that a child is exactly the same every year, no matter what. Now, their environment can influence them to a point. Right. But I, in my 42 years of teaching, starting in 1979 through 2021, a 14-year-old child still acts like a 14-year-old child today. They still behave the same way. Some kids are a little bit further along than others, but right. everybody catches up at some point for the most part. But I never saw a difference with the children. I believe as people. Right. Now, I believe they were always motivated, but I believe ultra-motivated believe it or not, today more than in the past. Because there's so much opportunity, there's so much technology-driven opportunities for right. them that they know 
they need to be pursuing things. Look what's happened since COVID. When we went into COVID and shut down, what happened was people had to figure out that downtime. Right. And out of that, we got influencers everywhere. We have got an entirely different structure of where kids are heading today, right. more so than we ever have. I believe the phone is a fascinating amazing positive tool as is the internet and everything else technologically that goes with the above. However, the one downside I have seen and it's societal, but I see it in the kids and it's they're the ones I'm concerned about most because this is all they know. Whereas older people like myself and, and others who didn't grow up with a phone still remember and or have a connection with others, unlike, I believe, our children today. The phone itself, again, is is God-given. It's excellent, but it's a time-stealer from the most important thing that all of us share with one another, and that's relationship. Absolutely. And if we can't spend time in our relationship, we don't have those relationships. They don't get deep. They don't develop. And too often we see people at restaurants, a couple on a date, a child with their parents on their phone. Right. And that time to interact, the eye contact, how important is eye contact? The eye contact, the conversation. I beg to hear kids say, I'm bored. Right. Because that's the perfect opportunity to engage them in conversation. And uh, that's that's my biggest worry about the changes, how, what I see different in children today, they don't have enough of the eye contact, enough of the relationship, not only with their parents, but with their neighbors, their neighbors, parents, you know, their teachers, uh, their coworkers. Um, I think that stresses us. And I don't think we understand. I think subconsciously we can't put our finger on what it is in society today that creates anxiety or creates you know, the heavy moodiness that many people have. And I believe it's because we don't have that connection to others around us. If we had that connection, we would know we're in a good environment. We're in a good place. Right. right. And, but no, kids in general, uh, they're highly competitive today in the classroom. They want the grade. Um, they, we need them to get the grade because the world um, careers are becoming more complicated, right? You know, and we need that brain power to drive our continued success. We cannot plateau. We have to continue to grow. So now the bar is way up there and we have to keep raising that bar somehow. And I have never doubted kids ever. I've always seen them to be a real uh, positive force. My biggest concern is how one we perceive them and two we interact with them because it's a two-way street right you told a story one time you and i were talking and you mentioned your personal philosophy in the classroom Mm -hmm. uh, and how you approached teaching uh, and understanding that not all kids learn the same way right right can you kind of do you remember that conversation can you maybe recap that a little bit i hope i get there uh i hope you let me know if I didn't yeah. get to exactly where you're at. But I do know that every year I would start my classroom with about three or four days of introduction. I mean, it's a 90-minute class. Right. Okay. But I thought 
the stage has to be set. Expectations, understandings, me being known, answering their questions. Let's lay it all out so that once class starts, it functions. Yeah. Okay. Primarily in the beginning, I would, in summary, I would let those kids know that you have a responsibility to come in here prepared. Uh, I will provide a syllabus. I will front load that syllabus. The syllabus is three to five weeks long. You get every paper, every assignment, every due date. You know what's happening. Uh, it's your responsibility to fill out your agenda with your work schedule, your sports schedule, your babysitting schedule, your church schedule, your homework schedule, and every due date assignment. And then two days prior to that due date assignment, you write down, you have that assignment due in two days, trying to fight the procrastination that we all have. Right. And, and I need to do that as well. Sure. Yeah, I got one in my house. So <laughs> but I believe as a teacher, I have to teach and guide them how to do these things. So I had no problem at all in the classroom ever revealing anything to a child because they're there to learn. Right. The thing that I can't stand is the frustration, uh, not the frustration that comes from trying to work a problem to get it, but the frustration of them throwing their hands up and say, I quit. Right. I don't want that to happen. I want them to know that they're there to learn. I'm there to teach. I'm gonna show you the steps. And what I would do, halfway through my career, I changed my entire approach to teaching. And my wife was a big part of that. She said, Tom, I see a lot of these kids that hang out with you all the time or talk with you or come up to you. Uh, because she could be in my classroom from time to time, having yeah. taught in the building. She might not have class or whatever. And she said, well, they, they seem to be really confident kids, athletic. Otherwise, I, I'm not quite sure, you know, why is that kid around you? And why are those other kids out there? Mm -hmm. And my answer at the time, because I was like, I have no idea, but maybe because they're confident. Maybe they talk to adults out of their places in their life. Right. Maybe because they're doing well in class and they're not embarrassed to walk up and talk to me, but nobody should ever be embarrassed. But it's a, it's a, it's right. what we do, right. you know, and, and I, we have no idea what's going on at home, you know? So, um, but it was at that point when that was halfway through my career, every day I was at my door, I greeted every kid that came in. And all the kids going up and down the hallway that I didn't have in class. Hey, how you doing? You know, just making everybody who needed to have a high, yeah. a high. I have so many kids that I'm close to today that I never had in class. Hmm. But because I met them in the hall, or I just stopped and sat down at their table in the lunchroom and started talking to them. Right. Um, and then every day when my kids left my room, it was a high five or whatever, handshake, and I say, I'll see at your game tonight or whatever it was. My wife and I always tried to make every type of sporting event, even the cross country meets, to see the kids so we'd have something else to talk to them about in class. Mm. Then I went from behind the desk to in front right. of the desk. I started teaching in the classroom, not at the end of the classroom. Mm. And as I observed the work that was going on, being a lab-based class, um, if I saw something that was going awry, two or three different uh, places, I'd just stop everybody and go to the whiteboard in the back of the room. And I'd go ahead and make sure that they um, saw where we're at. Now, this is what I'm seeing in the class. 
Let me write the question up. And then I would take that question, I'd break it down. I'd underline things, circle things, so that they could see this is how you break down a question so you know how to solve that. Because every question's a word problem. Right. People say I don't like word problems, then you don't like any question because they're all word problems. We break it down. We show them what we have to know. And then I just ask everybody. Everybody in my classroom knew you don't raise your hand. Mr. Kirsch is just going to call on you. <laughs> and the important thing about that was as soon as I made that known in that three or four day introduction to the class, I saw everybody move to the edge of their seat. And what that told me was they're paying attention. And that's what a teacher needs in a classroom. And that's what a student needs to learn in a classroom. But I never threw anybody under the bus. Whatever they told me, I wrote it down. And then we circled the things that we could use. Then we built an answer to the question. I showed them how to approach that question. What wasn't important? What was important? And by doing that, that's the teaching they need to learn. Because it's all critical thinking. Everything's right. critical thinking. How do we break down life? We're going to break down life in biology. Right. And I would tell my kids at the beginning of the year when I would you know, talk about you're responsible for what you do, I'm responsible for what I do, but when you're in my room, you're going to be loved and you're going to be safe. Yeah, That's the most important. When a kid feels that, they perform. When they're in an environment where they're going to be accused or embarrassed or whatever, you know, they didn't want that. Yeah. And then because of my style of teaching the last half of my career, I knew everybody in my room. I went and talked to every kid, every period. If, if just a high or, Hey, I saw you last night, you're looking good, yeah. you know, tough loss, but Hey, I, I loved how you play it. Remember that one play? Like they love that because everybody wants to hear their name and know they exist. And as a person. Mm, yeah. And so that's how I set the stage. And at the end of the year, I would write, handwrite everybody a, a, a note personal to them, you know, encouraging them as they go on to their next step, wherever that might be. If they were seniors, they got Wendy's scholarship money. Mm. I couldn't feel like I could do a scholarship teaching because it might show favoritism. So everybody got a, a cut of the pie. Wow. And, um, but the handwritten note was what was important to me because Wendy taught me also how important the written word is. And historians will teach you today how important the written word is because they're concerned about this time period in history. With text messaging, it's cryptic. You have to know from where that conversation came from. You have to know what happened afterwards, and you don't, may not know anything. Emails, the same thing. Hey, as we were talking this morning, hey, we'll catch up and I'll finish explaining tonight or whatever or otherwise. Back in the day when you wrote everything out, typed everything out, sent letters all the time, historians love that time period. I once visited with Wendy the uh, LBJ Library in Austin, Texas, right on the UT campus there right next to the stadium. It's about eight stories high. Uh, Lady Bird Johnson had a office in the corner overlooking the stadium from eight stories <laughs> up. It was pretty awesome. But when you walk in the main lobby, you see three floors, or you see three sides of each floor up about six stories. Hmm. And all you see are all the shelving 
units of the library full of papers and files from his presidency when he was senator. And did you know that LBJ started off as a school teacher to Mexican migrant children? I did not. Is it that fascinating? Um, But anyway, um, that's a treasure trove of information for historians they're really worried about today. Wendy always journaled. For the longest time she journaled, but it was the last 20 years of her life. She journaled every day. Wow. On her phone, um, Megan, you know of her faith. Yeah. In her phone, on her alarms, 5.15 a.m., time to meet with Jesus. She gave her first fruits every day, just as Abel did in his sacrifice. I believe that's why she and we and I and and our children and grandchildren are so blessed. She prayed, she wrote, she gave praise. She was very upset at times in her writings. Uh, But, you know, I I, I don't think I've read 5% of what she wrote. It's, it's been hard to write it. I never looked at him ever when she was alive, uh, but I knew I had to put him away once she was gone so the grandkids didn't get him and start scribbling and I'm thinking it's just <laughs> right. a piece of a notepad. <laughs> right. So I, I went ahead and uh, put them all in our bedroom. And uh, one day I, I s- sat at the top of the stairs. They had been a lawyer's cabinet there at the top of the stairs. And as I was moving them into my bedroom, I had them stacked up there. And I just grabbed uh, this one and that one. And what I would do is I'd look at important dates, like, oh, up someone's birthday or Christmas or, you know, hey, this is when Matt graduated or whatever. And I just kind of read a few days before and after that. But in all of that, looking at certain dates and then just randomly just opening up and seeing what she had to say in that hour and a half, I only found one time when she's really upset with me. <laughs> You've only been through how much percentage? I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a great one. I'm just that's, kidding. that's true. Oh, no. You know, I'm far from perfect. Yeah. But, uh, you know, she taught me so much. And I wanted to give the, give, give the kids at the end of each school year that gift, too. Write thank yous when you graduate. Write thank yous for yeah. your Christmas and birthday gifts consider journaling and it doesn't have to be formal it doesn't have to be every day but consider writing out what it is that is on your mind for whatever reason i think there's a beauty in that and somebody one day will treasure it uh you received a, a beautiful honor this year i should say wendy received a beautiful absolutely honor this year. she, she was did inducted into the hall of fame at fairborn high school mm-hmm. um how special was that for you and I'm not, I uh, always love to bring Wendy to the forefront. If you look at my fair Facebook, in fact, I was talked about it at Rotary today. I try not to put anything about myself on Facebook. I put it about Wendy or us or uh, my grandkids. Right. And, um, but the key is she was an amazing woman to a lot of people. Her impact will be felt in this community in this county for generations to come. She was able to work with some of the most vulnerable children in our community 
who were at a real crossroads of a lot of stress and uncertainty. And she was the calm voice, the hand to hold, to guide them through their experience. And when she left, the number of those kids that poured out to me and what she did for them, and then what they did in turn for me because of what she did for them. Incredible. Wow. Incredible. That's fantastic. And uh, she, uh, she was so real and so genuine, not a self-promoter either. If you, her Facebook's still up, go look at it. She put cute stuff or kid stuff, us stuff type of thing, but never was it ever about Wendy. She was so real, so genuine, so full of faith and the love for her family and, and of, of life itself. You mentioned you and Wendy have two children, but you have uh, your prodigy will live on forever. <laughs> <You have laughs> well, a number of grandchildren. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, Matt just got married in December of 06. And Wendy and I, at that point, Katie had been out of school a year and a half, high school. She went to college in Illinois and Matt had gone to college in Indiana and was teaching in North Carolina. But uh, here we are in this house. Our two kids are out, basically. And we feel like the house is too small. We grew up in, uh, we, they grew up. Uh, Matt had his first seven years out in Arizona. Katie was one when we moved back, so she doesn't remember anything about it. But we grew up over on Jefferson Street, which is behind the visitor stands of the football field. Oh, yeah. And um, so for 19 years, we lived there. And we, Wendy and I said, this house is too small. And we just, <laughs> our two kids just left. <laughs> right. It's just the two of us. So we decided to build a house. And we go from like 1,000 foot to uh, almost 3,000 foot. And um, we go to five bedrooms, three and a half baths. We had uh, three bedrooms and two baths. And um, so... What are we doing? Well, we need more room. So we did. Well, it's a good thing we did do that (laughs) because now that house presently sleeps 19 people comfortably. Right. Oh, wow. Because Matt, his wife, and eight children. Oh, my gosh. And then Katie, her husband, and their six children with number seven coming in January. Wow. That'll be 15 grandchildren. When Wendy passed six short years ago, we had seven grandkids. And in six and a half years, we will have had eight more. Wow. There is a set of twins in there, a beautiful (laughs) set of identical twins are just awesome. They all are awesome. They all have great qualities, great parenting. Um, I am really blessed. I think Wendy would be absolutely enjoying it. But it's probably her who's sending all of them down there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she's not far from any of our conversations or any of our moments. Right. She's missed, but her presence is felt. That's terrific. Absolutely. Uh, you and I had a conversation about, uh, let's go back to the science background here. One of the things you did in your classroom, being at the high school and being so close to Community Park, yeah. 
is you took a lot of field trips, or not necessarily field trips, but took the kids out to We took a them. walk. Right. Now, they might call it a run, but right. we went on a walk. <laughs> yeah, to get there and back in 90 yeah, minutes. We, we, well, and that, that and the biology <laughs> class is 45, so there was some double time every once in a while. And <laughs> sure. I would hear in the distance, because they couldn't keep up, Mr. Kirsch. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a lot of fun. Uh, talk about, uh, we have a unique... Uh, asset, I'll say, Amen. At, at Community Park. Can you explain just what that is and what how we have, yeah. interesting it is? It's fascinating. And hopefully, uh, you know, as you and I were discussing prior, somehow that might be developed in some format, whatever, a simple brochure or right. a numbered hike or whatever. But um, directly behind the amphitheater, as you sit in the seating of the amphitheater and you look at the stage directly behind and to your right is a 17 acre triangular piece of virgin woodland. That woodland has never been cut down in the history of the European being in this country. It's never been opened to be tilled, to be farmed. Those are native trees. Those are native soils, and native soils give rise to the native herbaceous plants, which are the soft-stemmed plants, the flowers, per se. And um, that asset was um, another biology teacher and I were taking kids out there, and we were just fascinated by how beautiful it was, and we had no idea it was anything that I just described until we had a Wright State biologist in 1995 do a survey for us. And he did, and he ended up uh, typing up front and back of one sheet of paper, single space, a description of that 17-acre virgin woodland. And within that, he describes the trees, the herbaceous plants, the soils, uh, the, the, the ecosystem as it exists. Um, it also has... Um, uh, you know, gigantic trees, many of them over 200 years old. The oldest one that he actually measured was the one he measured because he felt it to be the oldest because its girth is the largest, is a white oak. And when you stand at the base of the white oak and look up, uh, you actually see the branches coming off horizontally, the size of what you would see at a tree standing next to you, and they're massive branches. Uh, the tree has been dated to be 247 years old right now in 2023, which takes it back to being a sapling back in 1776, the year we became our own country. Hmm. Um, it's, it's a great environment. Uh, there was a tree in there that fell during Hurricane Ike Remember that big windstorm yep. hurricane yep. we had in September or whenever? It knocked down a lot of trees and a lot of powers out throughout the community for a while. I know my father-in-law, he was out of power for nine days. Wow. Um, but there was a huge tree that fell across the uh, trail. And um, it's, it was there until the parks could get in there and cut it so the trail could be... Uh, utilized again you didn't have to go over or under it but it was a massive old growth tree um that we in the class nicknamed it ike <laughs> you know All right but uh yeah it's 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 beautiful and, and even with the disc golf course in there 
Uh, you can't take away what it has. Um, hopefully, you know, what we do have of the uh, old growth is maintained and, and you know, uh, we just take care of the greens and the fairways and leave it at that and leave the rest of it to uh, to that natural state that we first found as as the European found several hundred years ago. Well, wow. so I was going to ask was it was it that land where the disc golf course yeah was yeah the disc golf course is throughout that piece of land. Okay. That's where they decided to put it. And, and, I'm, and I hear it's one of the, the everybody's yeah, favorites. One of the, right. one of the better ones yeah. in the state. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a great environment yeah. for it. It's beautiful back but there. I think as we talked, I don't know that we knew the history of that 17-acre no. wood yeah. when we If they had known that, in. they probably might have chosen a different place. Right. But, you know, again, uh, it's recoverable, and it can also continue to be protected. I think we can have the best of both worlds because yeah. it's – the park is for all of the community. Yeah. So if we can treasure what we have left of that virgin woodland, that'd be a beautiful thing. Uh, I want to ask you one more question about the schools, and then I want to ask you some questions about the chamber. Sure. Um, as you know, the schools are building brand new schools as mm -hmm. we speak. Amen. Uh, with high school being under construction, hopefully opening around this time next year for the club fall uh, class. How important are those new schools to Fairborn? Beyond important our last 50 years as a country as we look at technology i mean the 50 year old building that's being replaced has to be replaced right we have to keep up it reminds me of the name uh or the game of monopoly you play the game of monopoly if you're not buying property along the way you're paying rent and you're out of the game right we have to buy property. We have to buy, invest in our kids, in our community, and in the country as a whole, its future. Sure. And that's going to happen when we provide state-of-the-art facilities that will allow that opportunity for our children, who are as important as any other child in any other community anywhere in the world, so that they can compete. I know that when I taught AP Bio, I basically talked to every kid I ever had in class when they went off to college. What you guys do in your freshman biology class? Because AP is basically a college level sure. course. So I want to make sure my kids are prepared for what they're going to walk into. And so I knew that they had, um, like at Ohio State, you take a, a lab quiz before you can do the lab. There's 10 labs a semester. Each lab's three hours. You get the lab book at the beginning of the year. You're expected to read it, go in able to pass the quiz. If you pass the quiz, you can do the lab. If you don't pass the quiz, you can't do the lab. You have one chance to retake it so you can take the lab. If you don't, they send you home, you get a zero. Wow. I did the same thing in my class, except I was their safety net because I'm teaching them what will be expected of them. Right. They will take that quiz. They may bomb it, but hey, they took the quiz. But what I did ahead of that was I had the kids do five things with their labs. And all the labs are 12 to 20 pages long. So it's obviously you can't give it to them the day before right. or the day of. That's why I did that front load. They get every paper three to five weeks ahead of time so they can prepare for those moments in time. With the lab, they needed to obviously read it front to back, including all the questions. So they would underline what they thought was important. I'm sorry, highlight what they thought was important. And then whatever they underlined or highlighted, they would then underline the most important part of what they highlighted. Mm. I'm trying to teach them to reduce their highlighting. Right. Right. Okay. 
and then they would put a star by anything that was safety related, a check by anything that was a procedure. They had to do this. We got to do something here. And then they would put a question mark and a number. This is one of the questions. This is question number four. So they could go back, read question four, then go back to the procedure. We got to be paying attention. This is the outcome they're wanting us to see. So they're able to answer those questions, not from memory so much, but from the moment. Then it's huh. a better answer. And then when they study that lab later, then you know they have a, a better document that serves their grade on testing and such. But um, the importance of teaching them that was I wanted every kid, and this goes back to your school question, building these facilities, what we are gonna be able to do in these new labs, not only are we gonna take it from where I, what I did, but because of these lab facilities and the ability to do things that we weren't able to do completely in the present classroom, I want every kid, and every kid had to rotate jobs for every lab. So there's a half a sheet of paper in the center of their lab table. As I walk by, I see it. Who's doing the procedure? Who's uh, doing the observing? Has to be two different people. Because right. when you're doing something, you right. can't necessarily, somebody has to watch. Somebody has to, to write, and that means they can't observe or do the procedure. So the, the, all the positions are, are rotating, picking up the supplies, returning them. And, and so I know if something's not returned, I know who to talk to, hmm. not the whole lab. Who was it? I go, Bob, where, where's, where's this? We, we're missing number four, and you're not at your table four. Oh, okay, yeah. So they take care of it. I want my kids, the way we did the labs, the way we structure the syllabus and the front load, the way we set up a lab table. I wanted every one of those kids to go to any school. And I'll tell you, Fairborn sends kids everywhere. Right. I mean, they don't all go to right. Wright State or Sinclair, and those are awesome opportunities they provide. But we've got kids that want to go to Notre Dame, Miami, UC, Stanford. Arizona State, Stanford. They, they go everywhere. Yeah, Terry. Right. Um, so the awesome part of it is I wanted my kids when they go and they sit down in a lab room table with other kids from around the country and they pull out their lab and it's all this color coding and check star highlight underline stuff and you know they kind of look at them and then they uh okay the four of us we don't know each other we're a lab team how are we going to do this I mean my student is going to say, well, you know, we ought to divide up the, the effort right. and we ought, to, we ought to have this organized so that we're productive and effective in getting the answers that we need. And then the TA walks by and he sees the lab paper of my student and picks it up and looks at it. And I've had a, at least a half a dozen different colleges that my kids have gone to. The kids have come back to me. My TA saw my lab paper. He's making everybody do it. Because that's how they should come into class prepared. That's going to guarantee almost that they're going to do better on their testing. Right. But at the same time, this is the this is the point I wanted. I want those other three kids at that lab table with my student from Fairborn to say, "Where are you from?" And I want them proudly to say, "I am from Fairborn High." Wow, that's what I. Want. That's terrific. Yep, yeah, because sure. those kids deserve it because they work as hard as any other kid in any other school. Yep. And now that we give them the opportunity to give them a state-of-the-art 
the sky's the limit. Right. The sky's the limit. Yeah. We are such an amazing community for providing for our children. Time after time after time the, in recent years, they have said yes, yes, yes to the schools and to help make them. And now it's incumbent upon the schools and the staffs to continue driving these kids to their successes. I know we're getting low on time here. I want to ask you a quick question about uh, the chamber. Um, you took over as the executive director of the chamber about two months ago. Two I months believe. ago. Yep. Um, May 22. The chamber is celebrating a milestone this year. Actually, it's next year, next year and I hope that we can celebrate it every month. I think it's uh, it's we are such a gem in the Miami Valley. We will be celebrating our 100th anniversary oh. as a chamber in 2024, having started in 1924 as a Cement City um, I, I wrote it down Businessman's Association. I'm kidding. Absolutely. Oh, it was cool. started in Osborne. Actually, Osborne at that time was now here in the greater right. Fairborn area, having been moved in the late teens, early 20s. Huh. I have it, the Cement City Commercial Club. There you go. Which okay. I think is terrific. I like, love it. We've been really cement cool. for over 100 name. years, right. and they're still important to us. <laughs> That's right. Amen. Huh. Uh, what What is your goal as the chamber director? What What is What are some things you want to accomplish that you... Uh, feel like you need to do to help our businesses? I hope that if there is one word that would be identified with me, um, it would be serve. I want to serve. Right. I want to serve the business community. I want to serve the greater community, uh, our city. And in order to serve, I need to be connected to the business community, to the city, to the, the citizens. Uh, my door is always open. As I indicated in my uh, letter to the community when I first took the position, I have dates on my calendar that can have your name on it. I would be happy to meet with anybody at any time about anything uh, related to the business community or to the betterment of our community as uh, the relationship with our city and the chamber together on the same team is moving forward for the betterment of everybody. And uh, yeah, I, I, I wanna serve in whatever capacity that is. Uh, I've got a lot of ideas. They're gonna take a long time to roll out. There's gonna be bumps along the way. Um, I don't expect everything to play out uh, the way I want it. I'm not gonna be selfish. I'm gonna be a team player and hopefully be able to take where we are and leave it better when I'm gone. Uh, and that will be for everybody's betterment. Sure. I'll put a plug in for you, and we'll actually put this in the show notes. You have a golf outing coming up. We do. Uh, uh, August 11th, I believe. Correct. Friday the 11th. It's our 50th uh, Fairborn Area Chamber of Commerce Golf Open, uh, one of the oldest in all of the Miami Valley. Um, it's a big deal this year. If you don't have your foursome signed up for it, please stop by or go to our website uh, and do get registered. Um it's an opportunity to um, uh, network and hang out with a great group of people on an awesome golf course that loves having us. That's Twin Base yep. right here, one of our partners in the community. And as well, um, you will not see a swag bag better than our bag <laughs> this year. Fantastic. This is the top <clears throat> of the line. Fantastic. It's our 50th. And I will reveal one thing. I mean, we have so much in the swag bag. I mean, it's 
I've, I'm really kind of proud of it. But the, <laughs> what, the one thing that I'm really excited about, because it's a party, it's our 50th, everybody gets some pretty awesome sunglasses. Nice. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, and I hope everybody wears <laughs> That's them. That's fantastic. It'll be a fun time. <laughs> one of the main uh, groups that you have at the chamber is the Ambassadors mm-hmm. Club. Absolutely. Um, you told some history about that. Who founded that? It was... A uh, local businessman, Larry Long, who did yep. that. Long's Cleaners still Absolutely. around in Fairborn. Uh, what's the what's the role of the Ambassadors Club? The Ambassadors are the face of the Chamber of Commerce. They're the goodwill ambassadors, greeters, welcome wagon to businesses that are just opening. They host chats. They um, run the raffles, the 50-50 uh, they are the meet and greets at all of our events. Uh, they are the face of the chamber. Uh, members who are in good standing, who have uh, committed to the betterment of our business community uh, by being involved with driving that continual uh, momentum of the fraternity that we are. Thanks, Tom, for being here. Really appreciate your time. Uh, if you don't mind sticking around just for a couple minutes, we've got a couple other things we want to talk about. That'd be feel, great. Feel free to weigh in. Thank you. Uh, and add your two cents if you have it. And and uh, we're certainly love to hear what you have to say. Uh, the big thing coming up, if you've been paying attention, is certainly Bluegrass and Brew. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be August 4th. August 4th. Uh, that's really our signature event. And In a week. We did that six years ago. Did I get that right? Yeah. It's the sixth oh, I got one. that right. It's the sixth one. Uh, we, we transferred an event that was the jazz festival, if you remember mm. that. And I'm as big a jazz person as there is, uh, which was not getting the greatest participation and decided that we really are a bluegrass <laughs> community, right? Given mm-hmm. how we were founded and sure. where the people, most of the people that founded Fairborn were from. Uh, we started Bluegrass and Brew. And three years ago, we started yeah. a partnership with Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers to help bring the talent in for the show. And I have to say, it is unbelievable uh, the the folks that come in for this this year is no exception. Right. Uh, Joe Mullins obviously is the, helps put this together for us. He's going to perform uh, with the Radio Ramblers. We have a group called the Slocan Ramblers, who is uh, I'm told one of the best bluegrass bands in Canada. Wow. And then the headliner is the Travelin McCrories. Uh, Del McCrory is a well known bluegrass musician. I think he's in the Bluegrass Hall of Fame. Uh, he has several sons who got together and started a band, and they are terrific. <laughs> they played with. Uh, Fish on stage. Played with fish, yeah. Wow, they jammed yes, with yes. fish. Yeah, they, Who? That's uh, fish with a P. Yeah, yeah fish correct. with a P. <laughs> P-H, which uh, I've yeah. got to say, my sister-in-law is buying me a ticket for that when they come to Ooh-hoo. They're coming to the Nutter Center. Center. Fish will be here for two nights. So that's our, our signature <laughs> event is the Bluegrass and Brew. There's food trucks. There's uh, a beer garden. Uh, the downtown businesses should be open if you want to stroll downtown and yep. meet some of the, the folks that have shops downtown. It's just a wonderful event. Last year we had, I'm going to guess, 2,500 people downtown. There are a lot of people. Um, it was to the point where we didn't have enough sound to get far enough back <laughs> oh, on the street nice. uh, because the it's it was wouldn't travel because uh, we'd never had that issue before. So this year we're doubling the sound and, make, and putting repeaters out there. So bring Excellent. a chair, bring a friend, yeah. uh, bring your appetite, and uh, you know be prepared to have a beverage we have downtown. Nine food trucks. Nine food Good. trucks. Yeah. Good. So that's our signature event, and it hopefully. Knock on wood, the weather for this one will be better than it has so far this year. We, right. 
Uh, we've had a little bit of uh, bad luck in terms of weather. Um, other things that have happened. You got a, you have a list of stuff over there, Maine? Uh, we have sweet corn coming up the third weekend in August, the 18th and 19th, 19th and 20th, something like 19th and 20th. 19th and 20th. Fairborn's own Mike and Greta Mayer are the sweet corn king and queen. Yes, Absolutely. they are. Uh, which they can... I don't. I can't think of a better couple. To, uh, they're awesome. They, they are terrific. excellent. So school great, great school starts the seventeenth. Right. Is insane. Wow. Hard to think about, right? I don't understand that. Uh, That's uh, crazy early. We will be doing some waterline work on Funderburg. Uh, we just approve. Yeah. If you've driven down Funderburg, you've seen the patches that we've made in the asphalt. Because uh, the I think it was said at the counseling seventy five year old water line uh, has wow. been has been having some breaks so we're wow. going to go through and replace that Excellent. so there'll be some traffic issues there at the will be the west end of Funderburg closest to Colonel Glen right. uh, we'll should be able to get through there and get around it but just want to make sure people I aware. love how the city is on top of our infrastructure if we just look around the last five years you guys have done so much to Thanks. improve like Maple Avenue, Kaufman Avenue, Broad Street, you know, now Funderburg, Dayton Yellow, the bridge across the creek. I mean, uh, you're on the move and it's now it's Broad Street at the south end. And so uh, that's that's great. We, we've got some terrific synergy going on, both us and the schools. And it's just, we've helped each other, I think, I along the way. It. It's been terrific. So yeah, that. thank you. Thanks for saying that, Tom. Absolutely. Uh, Megan, what else? Um, so I will say, even though Hobson Freedom Park is not in the city, not, but they do have a really awesome food truck rally they, every single Thursday mm-hmm. in the morning and evening. They certainly do. Um, and they right do have, border. Yep. yeah, they do have a lot of really amazing food trucks that are out there and they're, they've got some Fairborn folks that hit that food truck every week that are part of it. So I suggest, Great. uh, just going out there and checking it uh, out. Mm-hmm. Home Cook Vibes is out there. The, uh, Cold brew people are out there. Yep. 55 rivers are out there. Um, oh, cloudy days, cloudy days. Candy, yeah. I mean, there, yeah. The, they are the, yep. you know, kind of starters of it. So just hit that. I mean, it's, I've been to it twice. It's terrific. Amazing, really amazing well food uh, that's out there. So encourage, encourage that. And I mean, I think we should hijack uh, Hobson <laughs> Park because it's a really nice park. I don't know how we do that, but uh, I, I would that say word's as the administrator, word. it's okay if we uh, let them pay for the maintenance and we just use there the benefit of it. Yeah, I mean, fine. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we not hijack still, it, but I mean. We can still enjoy it. Yeah, okay, oh, that's, that's fine, fine but that's it's a really fine. nice park. <laughs> it is a very nice park. <laughs> we did feature it on our on our Instagram page the other yeah, day. Yeah, we should. Yeah, it's a very nice park. Yeah. So yeah. It benefits our community as well. It does. Absolutely. We appreciate that. And it's technically Fairborn. Like the address is Fairborn, even though it's not in Fairborn. It's certainly Fairborn adjacent. Yes, I mean, it is right absolutely. there. That's so right, right against right the right fence. Yeah. So. so great. Yeah. Anything else? Mm, I can't think of anything. All right, Tom. Any final thoughts? Uh, just you know, as far as chamber events coming up, we have a great car show coming the day oh, after right, the Jim. marathon yep, sure on do. the seventeenth of September, the Sunday. Uh, would love for you to come out. And just take a look. The entire downtown area is filled with cars from every. Uh, decade, and some of them are just absolutely pristine. So it'd really be awesome if uh, that could be an afternoon for you. October, we have the big Halloween festival, three day, third weekend of October, and then um, uh, other activities that the city will have. I mean, we we also uh, will have chats like. Rob yep. said every month and just ha- go to the Fairborn Chamber website, which is evolving by the week. Right. And um, 
we're, we're really working hard right now uh, to make it so user-friendly and inviting that we're hoping that the hits that came on for 20 seconds will be a minute and a half <laughs> or a minute right. and 45 because they can't take themselves away yep. from it. Absolutely. It has to be that way because we want to serve. Right. Awesome. Terrific. Tom, again, thanks for being here. Yeah. Absolutely. Sharing the story. And Thank I look you forward guys. to working with you love many it. years to come. I love that. Thank you both so much. That's episode 31 of uh, Rumor Has It. We'll see you around town. Appreciate both of you. Thanks, Tom. Absolutely. I had a great Sorry time. We kept you a little bit over, but that's all right.